been here um, uh, this past week I was in Toronto with our network partners in Harvest and it was a powerful time it's always a blessing to gather with church leaders from literally all over the world to um, uh, connect and to learn to uh, uh, kind of recalibrate that's what most of the leaders say I mean, every year we come we get recalibrated as to our purpose and who we are and and the whole acronym, the FIRE, the Father, Heart, Intimacy, Restoration, and uh, Expanding the Kingdom through Evangelism, Equipping, all of that comes from our network partners in Harvest. And just one quick little story because it's, it's in the news. Many of you know what's going on, heard what's going on in the Ukraine and the Donetsk area and the war that's happening there. Well, a year ago, this one pastor, I've known him for years, um, he shared about the revival that they were having their church and uh, powerful healings they had uh, they they would pray for people that people get healed and then they'd videotape their testimony and put it online it was really basically a simple uh, process but in doing so they became they had the most visited russian language website of all websites in the Russian language, their website. So they're getting millions of hits on their website. And people were coming from all over the Russian-speaking world to go to this revival. And unfortunately, this year, he shared about how he had to, they had to leave because of the war. And they were in the Donetsk area. That's where the fighting was the heaviest. And literally, the the Russian uh, separatists, whatever you want to call them, terrorists, what they were calling them, um, forced uh, that to end because there was a little bombing. The buildings, it was not safe. And uh, fortunately, um, he and his family were able to escape to Kiev. And they have a good attitude. They're like, we're believing God to continue. What, what? Yeah, they would not say anything negative. They got up and testified a good report. And then Dan Slade said, well, really, they've lost everything. They're homeless. And he and their family left. But um, they're really believing. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and all over the world. There were testimonies of people in, in the um, Turkey and Syria region as well. Oh, we had um, a friend of mine is connected with the work in Liberia and had a report about the uh, effect of the Ebola uh, epidemic and how it's just brought fear and terror to that whole nation, that whole region. And in one sense, it's like, wow, all these incredibly intense things are happening, but in the midst of all of them, right in the midst, There are believers just like you clinging to the promise of God's presence and seeing God show up in powerful ways. And, you know, throughout history, there's, there's, there's wars and rumors of wars, right? (laughs) And earthquakes and all these things are going to happen. But uh, Jesus said, you know, don't worry about those things. Press forward toward the goal. When, when he comes again, we'll all know it. It's not going to be a secret. Uh, and so it was really powerful just to join with um, 
uh, all, all the other believers there, and it's good to come back. I feel like I've reconnected with our roots, and I want to say that what God is doing is continuing and growing worldwide, and uh, we're part of a network of churches that are unified in our values and our vision, and I'm, I'm glad to be representing that. So, <clears throat> all right, we're going to continue on with our series. As Graham mentioned, this is the last of the R, the restoring uh, segment, talking about issues of the heart. And this month's series was called Hope Restored. And uh, the world certainly needs hope with all of the, the disasters and tragedies and wars and challenges that we're facing. Uh, God says in his word in Romans chapter 15 verse 13, says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that it's the God of hope. One of the titles for our God is the God of hope. And we can cling to that when we feel hopeless or we feel overwhelmed. And that's what I saw in the Ukrainian believers or the the man who ministers in, in Africa and Ebola. There was hope. And it was hope not based on their circumstance, but based upon the relationship that they have with a God of hope. And the tools of restoration, all these things that we've been talking about for the last couple of months, are, are just tools to give you a means to see real change in your life. And I believe we need to see change in order to have that hope remain. Uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. And so we need to uh, know, how, well, how do we deal with the issues of life? And that's what we're, why we're going through all of these um, different topics, like today's topics, Relationship Knots, is what I titled it. Uh, it As you learn these truths and implement them, they can produce real and lasting change in your life. So what we're talking about today is relational knots or what is commonly called in in the terminology of this ministry, soul ties. And that may sound weird or, 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 or strange or unfamiliar, but by the end of this message, I'm hoping you'll at least be familiar with it. How many have heard of soul ties before? Huh, wow, preaching to the choir here. When I shared this down in Vandalia, there were only about three people that had ever heard of it before. It's an important, integral part of our, our healing ministry, so... Many of you have uh, experienced that and, and, and heard, heard us talk about it. So here's a biblical basis for it. Um, this whole message is going to be about seeing it throughout Scripture and as well as applying it. But we read in Ecclesiastes 4, it says, A person, person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And so I have uh, three cords here, three little ties. So I really need a wireless one. No, I can talk loud. (laughs) Who needs a microphone? All right. So, right, the whole idea is that, you know, the strength of of one cord is nothing compared to if you you take two and then if, if we take three, 
and, it, and I'm not going to take the time to entwine them together, but if we were to entwine them as well, the, the amount of strength, you know, it would be much harder to break three chords. Each individual chord is just as strong as it was before, but with three of them together, it'll, it'll endure a lot more stress, right? And so that's the idea behind this scripture. And um, uh, it's interesting that in this scripture, relationships are compared to uh, cords being bound together or tied together. So relationships make us stronger. An example of that would be in Proverbs 13.20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And so we see a proverb teaching basically the same idea. The people you associate with have an effect on you. All right. And um, if you want to be wise, find wise people to to, uh, to fellowship with, to, to develop relationship. If you want to, uh, uh, you know, you don't want to hang around fools. If people you see their life falling apart, those are people that you don't want to make your best friends because a companion, a fool will become destroyed. So you actually have a choice. And, you know, you can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends. <laughs> so that's where you, you choose. Wisdom uh, uh, gives you the power to make decisions because it has an effect on your life. Now, this, has, this is true in the natural, but there's also a spiritual effect that we're, we're uh, talking about this morning. In other words, you know, that verse in Ecclesiastes, if you stand back to back, you can be stronger at fighting. And that's just, just a simple truth that, yeah, of course, you can fend off more if you have someone to fight with. But there's an underlying or a, a deeper uh, understanding of this in that we actually are bound on a spirit level or a soul level through our relationships. Okay, so there's natural implications for this. Just naturally working together makes us stronger. But there are also spiritual effects. And I believe that not only is there, uh, for example, in the uh, Proverbs, just being around wise people makes you wiser, not only just because you learn information from them, but there's a transfer when you get into relationships. There's something that happens in a spiritual realm that uh, you know can't be defined by uh, natural science. All right, we're we're Christians. This is a church. This is not a psychology class. So psychology has a lot to offer. A biology has a lot to offer. But the things of the spirit are true as well. And so we're going to be delving into some of the issues of the spirit in relationships this morning. <clears throat> Okay, throughout Scripture and life, we see that souls can become tied or entangled with others. Uh, the soul is, is part of your being, and the, our soul and our spirit, those terms are used somewhat interchangeably throughout the New Testament. And you can go in, there's another whole sermon to, to discuss this, but there, we have our bodies, which is our physiological, the, the, the cells, the blood, the bones, right? We have our minds. 
minds, which would be like our mental capacities, our thoughts, our intellect. Um, but then we have our souls, body, soul, uh, uh, and mind, and our spirits. And, and there is a difference between a soul and spirit, because in Hebrews it says that the Word of God divides to the, right down to the difference between soul and spirit. Okay? Uh, and it compares it to the, the, the bone and the marrow. And so that's in the, in the very deepest inward parts of us. There is a separation between soul and spirit, but it, it's, it's, very, it's unclear. They overlap. Um, so we're talking about the soul, the spirit aspect of, of being a person. And, and our relationships with others affect us spiritually, affect our souls. Healthy soul ties can make us stronger, all right, for righteousness and purity. And so all soul ties are not bad. In fact, many soul ties are extremely good and very important part of having a good life. Unhealthy soul ties tear us down, uh, um, tear down our spiritual strength and lead us astray. And so unhealthy soul ties are negative influences. Healthy soul ties are positive in influences. And a soul tie is simply a spiritual connection between your soul and someone or something else. And it's kind of strange, but you can actually have soul ties with things or places. And so your soul can be linked or influenced by another person or by a place or by, um, you know, even a particular time of the year. Uh, you get connected in either a positive way or a negative way, and so it affects you on a soulish level. All right, we're gonna, uh, uh, the source of soul ties. Soul ties are normally formed through close relationships, through friendships, uh, through vows and promises. When you promise someone, when you make a, inner, a commitment or, or enter into a vow, you're establishing a soul tie, and that's really the basis of all soul ties is either a spoken or an unspoken vow or promise. It's a covenant, as well as physical intimacy. Uh, they can also be formed in controlling or uh, abusive relationships, whether they be controlling or abusive in a physical way, sexual way, emotional way, or a verbal way. And the intensity of negative abusive relationships often cause your soul to be uh, knotted with this other person or that experience can get, get you in a inward knot, right? And um, that's a way to understand that is a soul tie where you're uh, connected. Adulterous affairs and sex outside of marriage, we'll get into this a little more scriptural basis for this, but sex, uh, adulterous affairs, sex before marriage, just Automatically, that's a, you, you have a soul tie if, uh, concerning that. And again, like I said, I'll, we'll look at some scripture in a bit about that. Obsessive entanglements with a person or a thing. Um, what I mean by that is giving them or it more authority in your life than you give to God. <laughs> Which is basically idolatry. 
All right, anything in your life that takes the place uh, of the authority of God is idolatry. And when you establish an idolatrous relationship with another individual or some uh, structure, some organization, you're establishing a soul tie. You're basically allowing your soul, your spirit, the spiritual aspect of you, to be connected with that person or that system or that uh, whatever it may be. And um, that can be good if that system is good. <laughs> you know, it would be good if that person is good, is wise. But it can be very destructive if it's negative. Healthy soul ties, uh, we're going to look at some evidence of soul ties. Healthy ones lead to encouragement, lead to joy, intimacy, peace. All right? And so healthy soul ties are really good. In fact, um, we all need to have these soul connections. We are created to be connected with other people relationally as well as mentally. It's important to be mentally engaged with other people. It's important to be socially engaged, emotionally engaged. And so this is just a part of life. But unhealthy ones lead to a state of confusion. And so one of the evidences, if, if you're confused, if you're going around, if you just have general confusion, like, I just can't figure out life, I don't know what's going on, or in specific situations, for example, when, if you, like, every time you get around so-and-so, you just can't think straight. Ah, oh, that might be evidence that there's some form of a soul tie there, or that person really just messes with my mind. It's probably a soul tie, or that triggers uh, a soul tie in you. So that's evidence. Uh, if there's anxiety, lack of peace, again, if, if it's in general, well, maybe there's a major soul tie or a number of soul ties that you have going on in your life that you need to, to sever. Because if you don't, they, there's anxiety. What's happening is your soul... This inward part of you is being influenced and it's causing anxiety and you don't know why. And so anxiety is like, why do I feel this way? I can't figure it out. Well, it's something happening on a soul level and it might be because your soul is connected in an unhealthy way to someone else. All right. Or again, it can be specific. Whenever you see someone, you get anxious. There's probably a soul or whenever you think of someone that causes this anxiety. Well, that shouldn't be, all right? You, you should be walking in the peace of the Lord, that no matter who this person is or who the situation is, you should be able to maintain peace. But if your soul is connected, then it basically, you know, someone jerking you around, the expression, someone jerking you around, that's a soul tie. <laughs> the church, someone you have to have some connection, all right. And so this is what happens. This is this is how, we've identified this as a soul tie, and there's actually a way to get free from it, which is the good news. Um, <clears throat> entrapped uh, evidence of a soul tie is getting entrapped in sin or unhealthy thought patterns, patterns, feeling compelled to behave against your will. So often we sin, and we know that we don't even want to. Some people, they'll communicate, you know, I do this, I don't even want to, I, I hate doing this. I'm like, well, that's, that's because that's not who you really are. 
Alright. What is influencing you to behave against your own will? Often there's a soul tie. There's something on the soul level or spiritual level that's influencing you and to violate what you know to be best. Um, and you feel trapped. Uh, sometimes it's an unhealthy thought pattern. There's, there's something else controlling uh, your thought pattern. So there are many ways <clears throat> all of these things can be caused by other uh, issues as well. Okay, this is just one of the dynamics that is um, part of a very complex web of different influences. Um, Jill taught just a few weeks ago on anxiety and it was fantastic. Uh, and we've d- done a lot of teaching on different influences. But soul ties is a very specific thing that um, you need to understand because it, it really affects each and every person, whether they're a believer or not. Uh, another evidence of a soul tie is believing lies about yourself and others based on the influence of the soul tie. In other words, you can believe things about yourself. Uh, I've, I've experienced it as well as I've seen it in other people's lives. They'll say things about themselves that just aren't true or things about other people that aren't true and that's they're saying those things or they believe those things because of the influence of a soul tie uh, because of the influence of someone else that they've entered into a covenant relationship with that's controlling them and they don't even they're not even aware of it or or realize it so <clears throat> some examples. A real easy example of a soul tire idolatry is is teen idols. Okay, and this is almost like a. a, a, a a comical example, but you know when teenagers get really into the pop star of the day, uh, Justin Bieber or Britney Spears or you name it, Elvis Presley back in the day, right? They all uh, began to look. They look like them. They talk like them. They think like them, and they act like them. All right. That's because they've they make an idol out of this person and they want to be like them and and so consciously and subconsciously they start taking on those characteristics unfortunately a soul tie can can develop out of that uh doesn't necessarily have to but uh, certainly when it matures if it's allowed to mature it can develop into something very serious another example of soul ties can be abusive parents or spouses that can exert a controlling influence long after the relationship has ended so you can have a soul tie with someone that's been dead for 20 years okay in other words your soul is connected and continually being jerked about by something they said or something they did or something you experienced uh, years ago. And so there's still a connection in your spirit level that's affecting you. Constant fear, being uh, constantly affected by another person's opinion, can be an evidence of a soul tie. And so if you're, you're in an unhealthy way really concerned about, oh, what will this person think if I wear this shirt? <laughs> you know, or if I say this, they'll reject me. Oh, you have an ungodly soul type of person. You're allowing them to have too much control in your life. And it can happen on a soul level. <clears throat> Low self-esteem, uh, belittling, belittling yourself because uh, someone... Uh, because someone controlled or belittled you. And so if you grew up in a controlling atmosphere, if you were in controlling relationships, that can establish this type of dynamic in your life. I believe actually racism and other 
prejudiced mindsets can be evidence of a soul tie uh, because uh, your ancestors or your uh, relatives or the, the, the society that you grew up in had this very strong expectation and then you allowed yourself to be influenced on a soul level. And so you think things and you believe things that if you step back and actually thought through them logically, you would say, no, I don't believe that. But you act in ways that demonstrate a prejudice. Okay, parent and children uh, can get imbalanced. And this is probably one of the most common soul ties. A, a child will continually act uh, in reaction to the influence of their, of their parents in a negative way. Now, positive parental soul ties can be very good. So you can learn how to be uh, moral, you can learn how to be honest, you can learn how to be hardworking, you, you can learn many good things, and you can actually be, you can find strength in your relationship with a godly or a good parent. But if that parent was abusive, controlling, negative, critical, then you get tied up, and so you constantly think critical thoughts, negative thoughts, controlling thoughts, and so uh, it affects you. Or a, a, a child, um, it can work either way. Um, a parent or a child with an ungodly soul time can be inappropriately uh, affected by the other's uh, state. In other words, it's, it's one thing for a parent to be concerned to worry about a child, but to be constantly defensive for their children, even when the child is an, an adult, okay, and is constantly taking up offense because of their daughter or uh, son or, or um, the son or daughter constantly taking up offense. In other words, getting offended because of something that happened or might happen or may have happened or did happen and carrying that about. Does that make sense? So so taking up another's offense, in other words, so-and-so gets, you know, a bit of a slight and you get really mad. Well, why is that? Well, it's possible you have a soul tie with that person. And so if if you're tied, let me just illustrate this. I'm just going to try to avoid doing this, but... I forgot to bring in big, easy-to-use ropes, so I had to find these little strings. And so the idea is, two individuals, through relationship, you get tied together in some way, right? That means now whatever happens to this string moves the other string. Right? And so this string doesn't have a soul tie. What I do to string A doesn't affect string C. But it affects string B. Right? Not a very good knot. (laughs) Freedom! That's freedom. There you go. (laughs) Simple as that. But it happens on a spiritual level. All right. 
Uh, yeah, former lovers, uh, uh, romantic relationships that we've been in, uh, all of these things can be uh, results or effects of soul ties. Well, let's see. Is this in the Bible anywhere? Well, yeah, it is. So let's look at a healthy soul tie in Scripture. 1 Samuel 18. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul... This is um, uh, a story of uh, King David uh, prior to him becoming king. He was still serving under King Saul. Jonathan was Saul's son. That David had a very close relationship. They were good friends. It says the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And this is really the scriptural basis for the term soul ties, is that they're knit together. And here we have, there was something that happened that it was evident from that point on, they were really close. They, they were forged together. Their souls were forged together. It says, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Then Jonathan said to David, and then Jonathan and David made a covenant. And so soul ties lead to covenant, or covenant that's really one and the same. It's a covenantal relationship, because he loved him as his own soul. And so uh, soul ties are part of covenant relationships. It's, it's about promising, it's about vowing in your heart and your soul to be committed, connected to this individual. And this was a very positive one. In fact, Jonathan later uh, was instrumental in saving David's life. Uh, and they were they, they they were friends the rest of their life until, until Jonathan was killed in, in war. Um, I believe that this is what is the ideal held forth in the New Testament for koinonia or fellowship. Uh, and many places in the New Testament, I don't, don't have time to talk to them all, is that we are uh, we're affected uh, when one celebrates, we all celebrate. When one mourns, we all mourn. And so the ideal of New Testament fellowship is really having healthy soul ties in and amongst the congregation. An unhealthy example of a soul tie in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, don't team up or be unequally yoked with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner, so partnership, uh, with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And this, this here is not only talking about marrying uh, unbeliever. This is about any partnership or any uh, yoking together. And, and yoke means to be bound together, tied together uh, with someone who, are, who is not an unbeliever and what union can there be between the temple god's temple and idols for we are the temple of the living god so paul takes this idea of being unequally yoked with non-believers and connects us to to its spiritual uh root of being the temple of god and an unbeliever being uh um uh an idol or a temple of an idol and so this warns against entanglements uh, which creates unhealthy soul ties. It's, it's not really talking about not having uh, non-Christian friends, but rather don't enter into unions that challenge your allegiance with Christ. Okay, When a relationship becomes controlling, when a relationship entices you into sin or yielding to world, worldliness rather than being a light in that darkness, I, I, I talk about the flow of influence is this 
Is this ungodly person that maybe you're befriending, has it gotten to the place where they're having more influence in your life than you are in their life? And are you becoming worldly or are they becoming to know and, and experience uh, the light of the Lord. And so that's, that's the flow of influence that you have to, to watch. And actually, the same dynamic. You can have an ungodly soul tie between two believers if either or both of them are acting contrary to God's word. So according to this verse, soul ties being unequally uh, yoked or partnering in ungodly ways opens the door to the devil. All right, and demonic issues. It literally opens up an opportunity for the enemy to come in and to influence you in negative ways. Now, God is a, is a covenant God, and he honors covenants. And so when you get saved, all of the covenants that you've made do not automatically just evaporate. Right, Because God honors covenants. And this is why we need to learn how to properly sever ungodly soul ties. And then after you get saved and come to the relationship with Jesus, often people continue to make inappropriate soul ties. And so you need to learn how to break them off. All right, another example in the Bible of a soul tie. Uh, a healthy soul tie is, uh, concerning marriage and sexuality found in Genesis chapter 2. It says, A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Wow. So the word joined, connected together, tied together. That's where we get the expression, they tied the knot. Okay. Um, <clears throat> is really the best understanding of a soul tie. The two becoming one is certainly an allusion to sexual intimacy, where we experience one physically, but it also refers to a deeper, more significant spiritual bond. And that's really what happens, uh, what God intends to happen in marriage, is that you are bound to your spouse on not only a physical level, but on a spiritual level, all right? In fact, in the New Testament, uh, Paul uses that term when he talks about marriage. He says, are you bound, are you tied to a wife? Don't seek to be loosed. And uh, a little bit later, it says, a wife is bound by the law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she's at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. So this terminology is used in marriage. Uh, it describes the marriage relationship. So, in marriage, being one spiritually and physically, when it's done well, actually makes us stronger individuals. All right? uh, it makes us stronger in many ways. And that deep intimacy provides for some of the deepest needs. And often, some of the deepest needs are not met in a person because they don't allow that to be developed in their marriage. All right? They try to stay too independent in their marriage. But opening themselves up and, and sharing intimately allows uh, for uh, strength to develop. Okay, unhealthy sexual soul ties. We looked at healthy uh, friendship soul ties and then unhealthy ones. And then we're gonna look at, uh, we looked at healthy sexual soul ties. Now let's look at unhealthy sexual soul ties. 1 Corinthians 6. Paul says, don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. 
run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So Paul here does something very important. He takes the words that are used to describe the marriage relationship, the two are united into one, and says that applies to every immoral sexual interaction. All right. If you have sex outside of marriage, you've done that union uh, inappropriately. <clears throat> okay. So sexual immorality causes us to become one with whomever we've experienced sex with, uh, and it's compared to the oneness of marriage. Um, a spiritual bond or a soul tie is made with every person that you've had sexual relationships with, and this includes pornography because you've shared. A sexual experience. It includes erotic novels. Any relationship that robs what properly belongs in the marriage relationship causes, in part, some more significant than others, your soul to be con connected to that other person. Uh, this can happen even if there's not physical intimacy involved, even if it's just an unemotional affair, because you're, uh, you're developing an ungodly soul connection with someone else. S sexual ungodly soul ties wreak havoc in marriage and can cause sexual identity confusion. Breaking these soul ties... And, and doing it in a proper way can restore harmony in your marriage and also in your minds because that influence of being tugged and pulled in different directions were basically coming and taking a scissors to those uh, ungodly soul ties and, and cutting them off. And so in order to break uh, an unhealthy soul, any soul tie, uh, uh, you need to acknowledge that it's a covenant and you need to renounce it. And the truth is, is that you are no longer your own. Okay? When you come to Christ, you give Him your body and your soul and your spirit. You come into covenantal relationship with, with Him. And so that gives you the right to cancel any and all other covenants that you've made. You've surrendered to Him. He's Lord over all. His covenant trumps all other covenants. Alright? Does that make sense? All right. Uh, so anything that's not uh, in alignment with your new identity as a child of God, you need to cancel. <clears throat> and like everything else from your past, it is atoned for. In other words, it's paid for. The price for it is is found in the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. So step number one to breaking a soul tie, which everyone has, and what I encourage you to do is is to Look into your life and see where am I experiencing anxiety? Where am I experiencing confusion? Where am I experiencing being caught in thought patterns that uh, are, are, are unhealthy? Where am I experiencing being influenced to do things or think th in a way that it doesn't produce uh, uh, peace and joy? And then say, okay, God, where is the soul tie in that that's causing me to do that? Uh, identify those areas. <clears throat> Come, first of all, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, if you've never knelt before Him <laughs> and, and, and yielded to Him the authority in your life, all authority, you need to do that. Okay? Because 
He has the power to break every ungodly soul tie. And it's coming into alignment and allegiance to Jesus as Lord and Savior that you have freedom. But then we need to to continue. You need to identify uh, any possible soul ties in your life and then renounce and break each one aloud. And so if I had a soul tie with uh, um, a person, let's just say, um, my father, uh, uh, because there were some issues the way he ro- raised me, uh, was negative. And so I may have developed an ungodly soul tie about, about parenting. And this is an issue that I feel I've completely resolved, and so I can just kind of walk through this with you. You know, I would say, in Jesus' name, I renounce every soul tie, every unhealthy soul tie I have with my father, and I break that. I break that influence of a distant, disconnected, non-communicating father, and I renounce it from my life. It no longer has power over me. Okay, that's how you do it. But you fill in every person that you've had sexual relationship with. If you don't know their name, just say that other person. Or, you know, the more specific you can be, the the more effective that prayer will be. Um, and then, of course, you can do general prayers. And as God reveals specifics, you pray through the specifics. You don't have to try to dig these things up. As they surface in your life, this is how you deal with them. And then you forgive the others for their involvement. I forgive my father. And it's important to do this out loud. I forgive my father for being a distant, disconnected uh, a father. I just release him from that in Jesus' name. And then you forgive yourself. Father, I ask you to, uh, or I forgive myself for my involvement and getting so angry at my dad and, and feeling so disappointed. I, I forgive myself for embracing those things and then receiving forgiveness. And so it's very important to confess. Jesus, you said that if we confess our sins before you, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So I receive forgiveness in Jesus' name. And I believe that I'm cleansed from all unhealthy soul ties in this area based on the blood of Jesus. All right. And then the last step is guard against future unhealthy soul ties by developing vibrant, healthy ones. All right. If you're connected in many ways uh, with other believers, then those healthy soul ties will fill up your time. And your energy so that you're not uh, uh, constantly giving in to unhealthy ones. All right. Well, let's just close in a prayer. Would you join me? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've given us freedom, that you've given us a way of escape. And we just receive that right now. And we uh, will walk in it in Jesus' name. We I just pray that you would reveal to everyone here, if they have, if you have those soul ties, if they have things dangling and, and, and connecting them inwardly, that you would uh, reveal those things and release them from it so that they can walk strong and free in you, in Jesus' name. Well, on this side of the stage, we will have our prayer.